It's time to have an open discussion about mental health right here in Southern New Mexico. Welcome to the official podcast for Peak Behavioral Health Services. Proudly produced by Bravo Mike Communications and LasCrucesToday.com. This is Dina Rodriguez, Marketing Director for Peak Behavioral Health Services in Doña Ana County. Welcome to our podcast where we highlight mental health and services available in the community. I am so happy to say that I am here today with Sandy Emanuel, our CEO of Peak Behavioral Health Services in Santa Teresa, New Mexico. Sandy is a licensed clinical social worker in both the state of New Mexico and Texas. Sandy, you were raised in New Mexico and you credit your heart and passion to serve others to your parents who were educators and missionaries. Sandy, please tell me more about PEAK and your passion to serve our community. Thank you, Dina. It's so fun to be here in this setting right now, and I never have to be coerced or convinced to talk about either one of those things, passion to serve uh, my parents and uh, the PEAK, some of my favorite topics. Yes, I was not born here, but raised here for sure, moved here when I was five years old. So I can't say I'm a native New Mexican, but I definitely, this is home and this is where my roots are and the whole whole area, um, the whole border plex region is just a place that has my, my entire heart. Um, you mentioned um, my parents being educators and missionaries. I think I grew up um, not knowing that there was any other option for me because it was just a natural progression from watching them navigate and serve and being in a family full of those that do the same um, to finding social work as a career and ultimately being in this role with the peak it's just truly an honor and um, it's just something I'm so proud of the peak is um, another thing that I'm incredibly proud of um, peak behavioral, it, it's been around. We've been around for over 20 years in Santa Teresa. Um, we're definitely a trusted name in this region. Um, we are located right next to El Paso, um, six miles away from El Paso, actually, um, right on the Rio Grande across the Mexico-United States border. Um, so Juarez is very close. Um, I think we are eight miles from Mexico, from point of our location to the to the borderline um, and our neighbors um, with our sister city Las Cruces so there's a, a beautiful tri sister city dynamic there um, he has 119 beds total and 88 of those are acute beds and we'll get into that in a little bit um, 31 of those are for residential treatment kids um, we serve adults, adolescents, military, veterans. Um, we have a whole system of care, which is also something I'm very proud of to include outpatient programs. Um, and now our new ACT program, which is a sort of community treatment. So that's a little, little snapshot. Wow, it certainly does make me happy and proud to be part of this uh, organization, you know, and, and working with the community definitely here in all these beautiful areas. Um, these three cities you mentioned from form actually a combined international metropolitan area, you know, sometimes referred to as the Paso del Norte or the Borderplex. 
They are definitely a unique territory, just as our community is, and indeed a unique population to serve, you know, due to a mix of different cultures, diversity, and it is so great to be part of this community um, and, you know, certainly love to work with the people and serve the people that are in need of our services. Please tell me more about the programs we have, Sandy, and how those programs from Peak serve this unique population. Sure, absolutely. So I'll start with inpatient. Um, an inpatient um, services um, serve 12 years of age and up. Um, this, what we would call a level of care, the inpatient acute level of care, is really designed to meet the needs of an individual who finds themselves with in a in a crisis, a behavioral health, mental health crisis. Um, the design is really um, short term. Its uh, purpose is stabilization and safety and connecting back to community for continued independent living um, with those intense symptoms um, managed. Um, the residential treatment program is designed for age 12 to 17. It's a longer term program, less acute, um, but very much still a needed level of care in that the, the adolescents um, that meet criteria for this program, you know, many of them are just having a hard time managing and maintaining um, with support and resources on an outpatient basis, and they need more structure. They need more support around them. They need um, safety and guidance, and um, that's something that we're able to provide. A lot of our kids are involved perhaps with Children, Youth, and Families Department, either in custody or through the juvenile probation side often. And, you know, trauma is is something that many, most of our patients have experienced and, and healing from that trauma often really helps alleviate some of the symptoms and the, the less, what I would define as less healthy coping mechanisms and ways of the individuals deal with that. So this program is designed for that. And what a great program it is indeed. Um, with all this uh, great uh, services, you know, for the residential treatment, I know that we provide school for the uh, adolescents as well. Tell me more about that. Oh, absolutely. We, um, it's, it's, really, it's really cool because an individual that comes to our program basically is living a daily life that they would live at home, but they're in a more structured environment. So they have school. They have dental appointments. They have eye doctor appointments. They have a medical team that takes care of any and all medical needs. Um, so the school is, we're located actually right across the street from Gaston Independent School District. So we have school on site on our property. Um, of course, during COVID, we were able to rapidly switch to online learning. Um, and, and we were able to successfully partner, um, with the school district and, and make that happen and, um, continue to provide not only the emotional needs of, of our kids, but also the educational needs of our kids. What a, a relief for those of us who are parents that in case, you know, our kids or our nieces, our nephews, our family members uh, would need the services that we could rely on a program such as this, the residential treatment program, 
that uh, kids have a place to go and not miss out on their school activities and everything. Absolutely. You know, that makes them happy. Uh, great. Um, I know this program can be anywhere from 90 to 180 days, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a long period uh, program. Um, and I know that the treatment is individualized for each resident. And we encourage parents, guardians to participate actively in their child's treatment, which is another great thing that I love, um, is how our doctors are so uh, involved and they take the initiative to reach out to the parents and invite them to be part of the healing process of their kids uh, while they are in any of our programs. Um, I know particularly Dr. Sangra takes the time to call a parent and say, your, your son, your daughter is about to have a treatment meeting with me. Uh, please make sure that you, uh, you know, are on the conference call or come here to the meeting. Um, I just believe that says a lot about a doctor that, that takes care of, of their adolescents. That's correct, Dina. And Dr. Moreira as well on our residential side is very involved, not only with um, the parents, but also with the um, community partners that we work with very closely, juvenile justice system, CYFD, um, very accessible. is something that makes me proud because... Um, that is how it's designed. That is the best practice. That is what we are supposed to do. Um, and that is, in fact, what is taking place at the peak with our, with our doctors. So I'm, I'm proud of that. Now, what about our outpatient program, uh, partial hospitalization program, or as many call it, PHP? Can you tell me more about this program and why you felt it was so important to launch this type of program? Absolutely. So I will say our inpatient is a, is one of my favorite programs. Our RTC is one of our favorite programs. And now I'm going to say that PHP is one of my favorite programs. And I will say that about all of them because they all meet a different need. Um, but the partial hospitalization program is just incredible. You know, when you um, go to have any kind of procedure, say it's knee surgery or it's a heart condition you had, um, a bypass. There's, there's a step down process that's part of the healing that includes physical therapy or cardiac rehab. PHP is an extension of the work that takes place at a higher level of care. We also have direct referrals because not everybody needs that higher level of care. But if somebody is inpatient, that step down is the next logical clinical step in the progression of their continued healing. The partial hospitalization program um, serves individuals Monday through Friday um, intensively with a full treatment team, just like they would on the inpatient side. The difference is they get to go home at night. They get to practice and implement the skills that they're learning. They get to um, incorporate the clinical um, modalities that they've been learning during the daily programming. And it's, like I said, it's just additional support. It's additional um, resource for an individual um, post-acute hospitalization or, or even to prevent an acute hospitalization. It's just a really incredible program. And this programming is held Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, in person or via telehealth. So we have the opportunity and the ability to do either. Um, when COVID first hit, um, back in March, actually, a, 
a year ago. Oh my goodness. It's been a year. A telehealth situation so um, individuals could continue receiving services. Um, and it has ebbed and flowed throughout the year as, as regulations and stipulations have changed. Um, sometimes been more restrictive, sometimes less restrictive. But right now, what I would say is that we have a hybrid program, a combination of in, in person treatment as well as telehealth treatment. Great. And I know that we are also able to provide transportation for those living in Las Cruces, El yes. Paso, and surrounding areas. So that means that people in our community get to get the services. Uh, that they deserve uh, in regards to mental health. Absolutely. You know, there's no reason why people should not be uh, coming to inquire about the services considering there is transportation and telehealth available for all of those who need it. Now, the ACT program. Again, I know this is another one of your dear programs to you. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit more about this ACT program and, again, why you decided to start this so this, <laughs> I'm re I am really excited about this program because as a social worker myself, this is about as social worky as you can get. This is meeting the client where they're at. This is social work, true grassroots social work um, programming. And I, I absolutely love that we've been given this opportunity. Um, our, our home company is Strategic Behavioral Health, and, and when we presented this idea to them, it was, it was just logical to um, take this risk and take this step to create this program. So ACT is, stands for Assertive Community Treatment. We are meeting the needs both emotionally, through case management, um, practically, through connecting people to housing, um, daycare, income support, educational support. There's any kind of issue or need under the sun, we're able to truly closely work with an individual who meets the criteria for this program. Um, this individual on services with ACT receives a lot of support. Um, there are, again, it's, it's meeting the client where they're at, literally. We might be meeting somebody on the street. We might be meeting them at Community of Hope. We might be meeting them at the police department. We work in conjunction and very closely with law enforcement and the CIT team, with the fire department. Um, it, I mean, it's just such a great collaborative effort, and it, it's truly a team model um, that literally works together and shares in their care of an individual. Wow, what a way to serve, you know, and, and just being on call 24-7, ready to bring services to them is just phenomenal. What, what a way to serve the community and, and go, like you said, uh, in meeting the patients where they are at. Um, I do want to mention that you do have a dedicated team of professionals from psychiatrists, nurse practitioners, registered nurses, licensed therapists, mental health technicians, case managers, recreational therapists, etc. Um, I know that at the end of uh, last year, Dr. Sangra, one of your psychiatrists, uh, Sandy, 
child and adolescent psychiatrist, actually, was named top psychiatrist in Santa Teresa by America's Best Doctors. As the CEO, how does that make you feel, knowing you have such caring staff that generally cares for the well-being of their patients? That's a great question. I mean, first of all, I'm of course, it makes me proud. Proud that he's on our team. And he is board certified also, um, as a side note. But, you know, Dr. Singra um, definitely approaches his care with his, with his whole heart, as do all of our providers. Um, they're all the best doctors. Um, I am grateful that he received this uh, acknowledgement and recognition for sure. Well-earned, well-deserved. Um, but he, you know, he, and he is one of, one of many. Um, we have Dr. Gazarov, who's just incredible, um, serves adults and adolescents as well. We have Dr. Silsby, who works with our veteran and military population, as well as the geriatric population. We have a wonderful psychiatric nurse practitioner, Claudia Chapato. She's incredible, and um, she just offers a wealth of experience. We have, um, we have um, Dr. Moreira, who works with our residential treatment um, adolescents. Um, he's been with us for a long time as well. I mean, just such an incredible team. I don't want to leave anybody else. So now I'm going to start a naming, so I have to keep going. We have Fernando Guillen, who works with our PHP population as well as our ACT team patients, and, and that's just really exciting. And, and our medical, we have a medical staff, a full medical staff of really caring and compassionate providers. Um, we have Dr. Autry and Dr. Woolley and Jaime Sanchez and Dr. Lujan, and it's just a really wonderful dynamic group um, who meets the medical needs of, of our patients. Um, but I think probably back to <laughs> your question is that it's really a team. It's a team that works together that delivers this patient-centered, recovery-oriented services um, to all of our patients and, and help them successfully integrate back into their daily living and their daily lives in the community. And we truly love and care for our community. Um, this whole Borderplex region, um, we're all very rooted and grounded in that. Wow, that certainly does say a lot about a CEO that knows... Uh her staff by name, you know, not only that, but knows their heart and what each one of them brings to the table and uh, mentioning that they all work with a compassion and have a heart for what they do. That is, that is great. Um, next time here on our next podcast, we will go ahead and invite some of this great uh, physicians, psychiatrists, medical staff, so that way you all can meet them and learn more about our services. It would be an honor to invite each one of them to this platform. And Sandy, as you may know, with as much information there is out there today, there is still a stigma around mental health. And there are many people who may not know how to initiate a conversation about a mental health concern or issue, or may be hesitant, or even scared to pick up the phone to inquire information for themselves or others. You know, especially the Hispanic culture, you know, again, we were talking about the cities uh, and we know that we have a Hispanic population as well. What do you suggest people do in this case? 
I think that this is why organizations like NAMI are so important and why our hospital really partners with and supports NAMI, um, NAMI El Paso and NAMI of Southern New Mexico. Their full sole mission is to educate and, and break the stigma of mental illness. And, and that's really, how do you break a stigma? You normalize the conversation. Um, if I, as a CEO, cannot um, speak to the fact that anxiety is a part of my world and in 2020 during COVID that was heightened, um, if I don't speak to that, then another person will not hear that message of hope and not hear that, oh, this person has this issue too, this must be normal, and they will continue to suffer perhaps silently. And that's really what it is. There isn't anybody who is not affected by mental illness, whether it's directly or indirectly. I've seen it happen. I've seen it go untreated. I've seen it go treated. I've seen it um, impact families when it's in denial. If you're in a family system or a culture that doesn't um, honor that or or really, you know, I think about the military because I'm I'm a spouse of a veteran um, and retired law enforcement. You know, there's, you know, there's it's better now, but there's definitely um, room for improvement to, you know, create a place and a, a, a safety where an individual can say, "I'm struggling with this and I need help," and that that is viewed as a strength, not a weakness. We have to pull each other along. We have to be honest. We have to um, open the conversation. And, and also part of that is being willing to hear and not judge and know where to connect everybody um, for services. You are definitely correct, Sandy. It's definitely important for people living with a mental health condition to know that they are not that they are not alone, and that their illness should not be a source of shame in their lives. Um, we definitely offer initial assessments um, at no charge to the individual. During the assessment, hospital staff will recommend a plan of action or treatment. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Also, if the services are not appropriate, the staff will make uh, referrals to other sources of help. Um, and I know that uh, PEAK's goal is to effectively treat patients through individualized treatment plans that are tailored to each person's unique mental health needs. Um, Sandy, before you go, um, tell me what are some of the ways that you yourself keep a healthy mental state of mind when you do so much? You have over 250 employees. You know them by name. Um, you have been so successful. You've been able to bring all these new programs to our communities. Um, how do you stay balanced? Well, <laughs> if you ask my family, they would probably tell you she's not balanced. <laughs> so I will start there. And thank you for that. I mean, honestly, I think it's, it's, it's not a me thing. It's a we thing. And I, I, just have really incredible people around me, a really incredible team, a leadership team that's high-performing and high-functioning and, and driven by the same mission 
that I'm driven by. I want a safe and healthy and therapeutic environment for individuals to come and receive services at whatever level of care that is. Um, that's what gets me out of bed. That's what keeps me going when I feel I might be too tired. That's what keeps me pushing through whatever obstacle is in front of me. Um, but I will say um, 2020 was a year that stretched all of us, all of our capacities to to manage life. Um, you know, COVID was a new thing and um, it was scary. And there were more unknowns than there were knowns. You know, and I, I just, I know I've collaborated with the local behavioral health collaborative, LC3, here in Doniana County, and they just have done incredible work with um, pulling all of us together. We're, we're a team of people at the peak, but we are a community of providers that care for our, our residents that we, we love and we care for, and we want them to be well and okay and safe. And this collaborative was a, a huge support during, during that year. Um, I think on a personal note, some things that keep me grounded and, and functioning is really having a strong faith. Um, I pray. I, um, I definitely lean into and on my faith very strongly and heavily in times of, of trouble, in times of anxiety, in times of fear, in times of doubt. Um, I definitely understand clearly because I've done it well and I've done it not well. There have been times I've been better at this and worse at this, but you know, just the simple things, things that you can control, eating well and exercising and all of those things that everybody says, you know, eat right, sleep enough, exercise. Those are all easy things to say. They're, they're harder things to do. So I think, you know, just for me, I started halfway through last year, just remembering that, oh gosh, you know, when I when I run or when I hike or when I exert myself, I feel better. And so I started taking those steps to, to get active again. And I mean, come on, look where we live. The sun shines <laughs> almost all the time. That's and right. Even if it's a cloudy day, you can get outside and catch some, some fresh air on your face and climb a mountain, hike in the Franklins, go for a walk around along the Rio Grande. You can, you know, it's, it's, we live in, just such a magnificent place to be able to do that and those things are free you know though it doesn't cost anything other than driving to the base of the or the base of the organs or the base of a mountain to walk up it and feel yourself just you feel the tension release and you feel accomplished and you feel better um so those are some of the things and i think also just not taking yourself so seriously I think we all just need to relax and laugh and <laughs> I'm just me. I am a little silly. If anybody comes to my office, you'll be able to tell by <laughs> some of my decor. But, you know, we laugh a lot as a team. We laugh a lot. We lift each other up. We support each other. We, we grieve with each other. But we also really enjoy um, those, those moments of laughter. We had one last week and you were there <laughs> and we... You know, so, you know, just finding the right people to surround yourself with really gets you through hard times. Absolutely. Sure. And definitely keeping a sense of humor overall and knowing that everything will be okay. And 
Definitely faith uh, is a major one. So, Sandy, thank you so much for your time. It is certainly my pleasure to share this space with you and inform our listeners of the importance of mental health. Want to let our listeners out there know that Peak Behavioral Mental Health Hospital is open for admission seven days a week, 20, 24 hours a day, and no referral is required. We have two locations. We are at 5065 McNutt Road in Santa Teresa, and we have another location in Las Cruces at 390 Calle de Alegra. Peak Behavioral Health is just a phone call away, 575-589-3000. Or look us up on our social media venues on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and now our new podcast. We look forward to having our next podcast here. And thank you all for listening in. May you all have an awesome day. Proudly produced by Bravo Mike Communications and LasCrucesToday.com.